Hello everyone, this is Anissa. Before we begin our episode discussing fat phobia, I wanted to issue a trigger warning for topics of suicidal ideation, self-harm, and eating disorders. If you cannot handle these subjects or they make you deeply uncomfortable, please, please, please take this warning, assess what you need to take care of yourself, and if that means not listening to this one, we will see you in the next one. Thank you so much, and let's go ahead and get into the episode. Hey y'all, you're listening to Word on the Street, an OML and RRC podcast. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Word on the Street. Uh, this is Anissa speaking, she, her pronouns. Uh, I am your lovely, gracious host uh, for a majority of episodes, but not all of them. And today we are here to discuss, uh, well, the episode title is actually, let's talk about fat phobia, because that's why we're all here and why we feel this is a really important topic to discuss. But before we actually get into the topic, I want to go ahead and let our lovely guests go ahead and announce themselves and introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Rachel. I go, I use she, her pronouns. Um, and I'm a fellow fat person, and I would like to say thank you for letting me be here today. Um, hi, my name is Kiara. I use she, they, or they, she pronouns. Um, but yeah, I'm just glad to be here. And hi, my name is Shrey. I use he, him pronouns. Also one of the student inclusion educators. And look, everyone, I'm excited to be here and talk about this. All right, thank you all for joining me today. And also as another person who identifies as fat, I am a fat woman. Uh, I have a very personal connection to uh, this topic that we're gonna be talking about. And throughout the session, we're gonna be answering some of the questions that come to our own head, as well as uh, in introducing some personal experiences that we have gone through or have witnessed as well as uh, starting off with defining what fat phobia is. So going back to an article that I had found uh, by Tara J. Stewart. So in Femme Magazine, Nahol Amuzada defines fat phobia as the fear or hatred of fat bodies. This concept can include fear of being or becoming fat or fear slash hatred slash resentment of fat people. Fat phobia is a functional a function of persuasive and broad thin centric culture that places types of physical bodies in hierarchical terms with fat being one of the most kind uh one of the worst kind of bodies a person can have like most forms of oppression manifest in destructive ways that go beyond individual attitudes and beliefs fat phobia has wide-reaching systemic and structural uh, implications for fat people that negatively affect mental health, physical health, career opportunities, and overall well-being. Uh, based on that introduction or that definition, does anybody have any thoughts, feelings, or anything like that that may arise from me sharing this part of this uh, article? I was just going to say that um, that sounds about right to me. I think that uh, people tend to like play on the word phobia and say like oh I'm not scared of fat people but I'm like you don't like them though so that seems like a pretty accurate definition to me all right thank you Rachel I yeah it's similar to like with uh homophobia for example or transphobia 
uh, I don't think that it's phobia obviously meaning fear of. I don't think it's a fear of necessarily. It's just a uh, it is a hatred or dislike or like like in that way. So you're not I think the only like critique I have for this is fear of fat people whereas this could also translate into fear of becoming fat which is I think a better way to describe uh, that if you're going to use fear um but yeah so uh there's also there's a lot of stuff in this article this article had a lot of personal stories specifically from college students on campus um entering uh, and being a fat body on campus um the article goes on to have another quote that I thought would be good for the introduction uh, through television, movies, music, and popular culture, fat people receive messages about fatness and fat bodies as pathology, as something to be fixed, as something to be erased. Fat people are told that fatness is antithetical to living and being healthy. Uh, fat people are told to diet, given suggestions to have surgery, and offered recommendations for extreme exercise, which tell us that we can and should rid ourselves of our very selves. We are told that there is an ideal physical form and fatter bodies are not the ideal. As someone who has to navigate an oppressive system at multiple social identity levels, that phobia still seems to be an, accept an acceptable form of bias, including on our college campuses. All right, any thoughts, reactions, or anything that you would like to delve into? From here, we can have Whatever conversation we would like to have, anything that comes up for you, please just unmute yourself and speak to it. Yeah. So I don't know. Growing up, I I I was fat growing up. I've been fat all my life. Um, but like it's astounding to see how these mess like this message of like fat phobia, anti-fatness is really perpetuated in our society. Like at age eight, I was having doctors telling me that, oh, you're overweight. Like I wasn't overweight. I was just really tall for my age. And the BMI recommends that if you're like five, six, you need to be 86 pounds or like 75 pounds at like age eight, which is crazy. But like, it's, it's just these sy like systems of oppression that we have cornered towards fat people. Like I remember just growing up and being scared to go to the doctor. I remember being scared to like go to amusement parks because my friends would be able to fit on rides and I wouldn't. My mom telling me like, oh, we need to go to Weight Watchers this weekend and pulling me. Like an eight-year-old should not be going to Weight Watchers every weekend. Like this message of anti-fatness is like so impactful, especially on young children and then having them grow up and especially like on com college campuses where like even here, you know, like everyone's very thin, very white, very blonde, you know, they're all like, they look like models and, you know, coming in as a fat person, I could not have felt more isolated in my life. Like this first year transition was extremely rough for me and then going straight into the pandemic and then coming back, like I had a lot of work that I had to do for myself in order to become confident in who I am and what I wanted to be, but like, this message of fat phobia is just so harmful and it's yeah but yeah <laughs> yeah I can totally relate to to your experience Kara um I also had doctors telling me at a young age like you need to lose weight um and it was it was a little weird because um in my experience like again I also grew up I grew taller really quickly 
Um, and I think there was like a hormonal imbalance there as a result. Um, but it was interesting to see the way people interacted with me, especially doctors felt comfortable telling me that I was overweight and that I would like be at risk for all these things. And I had no control over it. Like I was gaining 15, 20 pounds every single year as a child because like I was developing, I was getting bigger, I was getting taller, et cetera. Um, and I was constantly being told every single time I went to the doctor, like, you need to lose weight, you need to lose weight. And I was like, I don't know what else to do. I'm not eating anything outside of what I've been eating with everyone else. And it was very bizarre to see how, <clears throat> even though I would be eating the exact same thing somebody else was eating, they would be feel comfortable telling me, hey, you shouldn't be eating that. And I'm like, you feel entitled to be able to comment on my body simply because I exist and it doesn't look like yours. And that's not fair in any capacity. Um, and transitioning to campus was also really hard, especially because there is a large toxic uh, gym culture here. Um, I was really surprised by that at Santa Clara University. I was not surprised that it was here, but like, I just didn't expect that. I think because of COVID as well, people had the, the anticipation that they were either going to get extremely fit or get extremely fat. And I'm like, okay. And like one of them was clearly a negative option in the eyes of people. So it was only get extremely fit and transform yourself over the two years of the pandemic. So it was just really interesting to see that dynamic play out. And it definitely was an isolating experience to say the least. Yep. I just want, since both of y'all have brought up, um the doctors and how they, you know, bring up that you were overweight or fat, especially when you were a kid. I do want to get into my, um, into my, like, stories I had about, uh, just about doctors and what they would say, and similar things for both me and some people close to me. Um, you know, doctors, every time we go, they'd always somehow mention, like, oh, you need to lose some weight, you need to lose some weight, even if it wasn't relevant for the reason I was going with, that I was going in I remember sometimes if I was going in just for like the flu or having a fever, they'd be like, oh, by the way, have you been working on your weight? And I'm like, I literally have the flu. This is why we need to bring this up. We don't need to bring it up right now. It's not relevant. And of course, you know, at other, you know, times when we go, they'd always bring it up and always just shove in our face on this. You need to lose weight or all these horrible things will happen to you. And even, even like our, like my pe like pediatrician, my doctor would say things of like, it's even going to harm you being able to make friends and all of that. Pretty much saying you're not going to, people will not want to like you. People are not going to find you like a good person, desirable because of your body. And a nine-year-old should not have to hear this. Ten-year-old, eight-year-old, you should not be hearing this as, as a child. Um, see, very, very harmful things they were saying. And I, yeah, it was just, it's just not good. And one story I do want to get into was a story from someone who was close to me. Um, and about how they had a diagnosis for ADHD delay because of their weight. Um, I just want to get into that now. So this person, he, um, he of course, like me, grew up overweight. And when he was around like nine or ten, um, actually no, actually no, probably a bit older. He was thinking maybe I have ADHD. It looks like a lot of the symptoms or things I'm having align with people with people he knew who had ADHD. Well, we went to the doctor, like when your parents bought up, when he bought up saying, um, when, you know, we all said, oh, we want to see, you know, we want to test it, maybe see if he has ADHD. Doctor said, oh, that's probably not likely since he's overweight. He just needs to exercise more, spend more time playing. You know, then if he expended his energy, 
he would he would have issues concentrating. So first of all, with a lot to unpack there, besides the fact that pretty much you were denied care because of your body weight, there's also the thing of ADHD only being oh you can't concentrate. It's more than that. Like <clears throat> there's there's a lot lot to talk about there. But pretty much what ended up happening was he did not get diagnosed until ten years later as an adult in college. Um, for ADHD, so ten years potentially missed missed out on getting treatment, on um, being able to uh, manage, you know, ADHD, just because the pediatrician said you can't have it because oh you're probably not playing enough or exercising enough, you know, you just need to expend your energy. That's that's my big one. I'm like seriously, you said that, and as a healthcare practitioner, that is what you think, and of course all the harmful things of saying to kids, oh, you know, these things will happen if you're fat, or oh, people are not going to like you. It just, I, you, you should not be saying that. Um, oh, and, and I also have one more story I want to share too on doctors and fat phobia was at one point, you know, I, I, get, I put on weight in middle school, part of it I put on weight, part of it I was growing. My doctor said, oh, you need to go to a dietitian. Um, to go to a dietitian to see if you can figure out how to eat healthier and whatnot. And when I went, that dietitian was not the most helpful because this is advice coming from uh, a thinner person who's pretty much just said, why are you eating so much? Just eat less food. It's like, how do I, if you want me to, how do I do that? Just saying, just eat less food. It's not enough. You need to give me more suggestions. So not helpful there. And also that dietitian did not give food suggestions um, for the kind of food I ate at home. She never thought of any Indian food or any or just any of the food that I would be eating at home. Because it's like, you're thinking of the food that a typical American family would eat at home, not what an Indian family, an Indian immigrant family is going to eat at home. We don't eat the same kinds of foods at home. So a lot of the suggestions would be helpful. So yeah, that's, that's just another story about doctors and fat phobia. Thank you, Sherry, for adding that. Um... And I think one of the common things that we're bringing up, because there's a lot of topics that we just de delved into, and I'm sure we'll bring up again and uh, later throughout the conversation. But one of the central themes that I'm noticing in our conversation right now is the act of fat phobic ideals and fat phobic ideologies uh, intercepting us at youth. Uh, we are all people that uh, grew up overweight or had, or and it's, completely up to everybody. I identify as fat. I openly am just like, yes, I am fat. I have always been since I, I'm pretty sure I came out just a little chubby baby and then just, it stayed and then it just kept growing. So, uh, so a couple of things that everyone that brought up a conversation with, whether it was in medicine or other people, um, I, uh, have always been the biggest of my four siblings. I uh, was also always in sports and so I was <laughs> and I was also a very uh, got sick a lot as a kid not to do with my weight but because I had valley fever uh, at nine years old which is typical in the Central Valley of California um, but it affected my immune system but every time that I went to a doctor it was that fear of knowing that they were going to check my weight and they were going to measure me against BMI and uh, whereas uh, y'all were uh, were taller and so you had more mass, I was 5'2". I, I'm currently 5'2". I have always also been short. So I was short, stout, just round belly, always looked like that. 
And every time that I would go into a doctor, getting told like, oh, here's what you should do. They're like, it's good. You're in sports. You're exercising. But even at that time, I was not losing weight. They're like, how active are you? You should be getting out more. How you do this? I'm in, I was in sports year round. I played soccer. I played softball. I played water polo in high school, uh, which was a whole other thing because being fat and being in a swimsuit uh, was difficult in itself in high school. Um, But something else that I wanted to touch on based on BMI is that I can recall in middle school, also I should note that I am 25. I'm a grad student in the program, so I'm a little bit older than y'all. Uh, but at the time when I was in seventh and eighth grade for PE in middle school, um, we had a PE teacher who would line us all up for like, you know, the like state testing of like uh, presidential state testing for running and things like that and physical education and was always the worst week of my life, even though I was very athletic as a kid, because like I said, I played a lot of sports it was the worst time because I am a slow runner. I just don't, I don't move as quickly as people. And where where was I going with that? Oh, getting back to BMI and being weighed on campus. My teacher would line us all up and we'd get on the scale and then she would shout the number for everyone to hear and say whether or not we were overweight. So I would hear, Crow, you're at blah, 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 you're obese. And then we would all turn around in maybe the worst time of your point because you're going through puberty, you're going through a lot of things. You already are attacking yourself internally. And then to know that every single other person just heard that the teacher told you you're obese, you're this. And like, of course, that's that phobic thinking because it was negative to be seen in that way but it was horrifying every single time. Uh, Same thing with that PE teacher. I've noted I was athletic. I did a lot of sports. I tried out for a lot of school because I played sports like outside. I like did like AYSO soccer, however that acronym is. So I wasn't doing sports at school in middle school, but I would try out for sports in middle school. And every single time I would not get picked. And it was always that same PE coach who was running it. And I remember at the time I was like all-star soccer. I was like an all-star goalie. So like I was being picked to go play for the all-star team in the county. And she told a friend of mine that, because I didn't get on the soccer team at school. uh, She was like, well, you know, Anissa is scared of the ball. Anissa is she doesn't run as fast she doesn't do this she's like just some bull reasons but when you look down at it it's all because I was fat it was either because I was fat or because I'm Latina and she was heavily fascist but yeah so like all those like conversations and then like also having parents who and I love my parents and they did the best that they could with what they had but there was also fat phobic mindsets in the way that they used punishment. Because I couldn't help but notice that every time and that I got in trouble for something, I was doing wall sits. I was running the mile. I was, it was very like exercise, let's <laughs> make you thinner. 
or we're gonna put you on a special diet we're gonna do special k and like uh what's the other one the like nutri drinks uh wait uh slim fast fast slim slim fast for breakfast but it was just all these different parts that added up including like people certain members of my family who when uh christmas or like birthdays would roll around would ask me my sizes for things and purposely get me three sizes smaller and then tell me that that could be a goal outfit so when i would say oh i'm an xl or a double xl they would get me a medium and say well you can wear this where you're thinner and all of those reasons and all of those things took away my self-esteem as a kid it made me scared to go to doctors it made me scared to exist in society and it also led to a rabbit hole of me thinking that because I was lesser than because I was openly told how ugly I was too uh that any person that comes into my life and shows me any attraction I should give them whatever they want because I could lose that so I got myself in a lot of promiscuous situations with people who were older or people that I had no business talking to because of the fat phobia that I experienced and that was internalized in me growing up so if anyone has any like recollection of what I shared or what has anybody has shared and anything like that go ahead and feel free to speak I'm not tall I would just like to preface by saying that I'm 5'4 I grew the last two inches in high school like randomly like junior year of high school I just grew an extra two inches and I was like oh, it's a miracle um but I was just taller than everyone at my age so I was 5'2 at in fifth grade um which is extremely tall for children um because nobody should it was weird I was like why am I this tall I'm taller than all the guys in my grade and then later on they all got much taller than me but it also played a role in like my ability to weigh the same because obviously I was growing. Um, and I experienced puberty at a very young age. Like I think fourth grade, I was like starting to develop, develop symptoms, physical characteristics of puberty, et cetera. And then I got my period for the first time in fifth grade. So I had like a much earlier development than a lot of the, a lot of my peers comparatively. But I was doing the same thing as you. Like I did sports for most of my life. I like sports. Sports are really fun. And it's like the only way I enjoy exercise is if I'm having fun doing the exercise. If I'm just exercising to exercise, I have a really negative reaction. And that's because um, when I was younger, I, again, like I said, I was fat. Um, and I did sports like wrestling. I did sports like volleyball. I did sports like soccer and basketball, et cetera, um, because I enjoyed them. They were really fun for me. Um, but at a certain point, um, I had a person in my life who encouraged in a very negative way to run every day. Um, and it was to the point where we were running after meals um, or before meals um, in the city in like really uncomfortable clothing that made me feel uncomfortable. Um, and it was to the point where like I was fearful to like go home every day because I was in so much pain every day when I ran it made me feel sick I never felt comfortable and so nowadays I experience I think what I'm experiencing like is a form of like like a trauma response I like get physically sick at when I run or do anything that's cardiovascular like exercise without any incorporation of other activities 
Because when I do it just as is, I get too in my head and I start to reminisce about the times where I was extremely depressed and trigger warning. Um, I was really like suicidal. If you don't want inter- to put that in the podcast, I understand. I was really suicidal at the time where every time I ran, I just, I was like 12 years old and thinking about jumping in front of a car um, because we were running in the streets of downtown San Jose. Um, and it was a really depressing time for me. But even then, even still when I was considered physically fit I was still extremely overweight I was 180 in sixth grade and that is considered obese for sixth graders clearly um and I had no way of bringing it down I like I was wrestling every day I was eating healthy I was running at the time unfortunately um going backpacking like every other every couple weekends um and it didn't really matter. Like I was constantly on the verge of just not even like going up, but like I could never come down. I was always there or like brushing past the next level, which was confusing because like I could be putting on all this work and nothing would change. And this is like at the height of my physical activity and like healthy well-being. And then after that, I was like, what the hell is the point? Like, I don't understand why I'd want to put myself through all this trouble, through all this pain, through like what I considered like suffering at the time, because it really messed up my mental well-being. And it was just not fun, like to be at a table with people who can eat whatever the hell they want. And I just can't because if I eat anything that's not in my diet, I'm going to gain two, two, three pounds just right then and there. It's bizarre. So I did sports through middle school and into high school. And it was always really interesting because again, like nothing changed. Like I was just consistently growing, consistently overweight, consistently obese. Um, But I had somebody tell me one time when I was like, I, I just started reminiscing one time about that person who had us run. Um, when I was younger, I dreamed of becoming an, a gymnast and they told me, well, you don't see fat people getting up on the beam, jiggling on the beam and doing tricks and shit, do you? And I think at the time I was like eight or nine years old and that was kind of enough to shut me down for everything in life. So I did sports for fun, but never considered them as being anything other than fun because I could never see myself being involved in it long term. So that had pretty severe impacts on my motivation to do anything um, other than just for like fun and experiences that were like, that made me feel good. So it's, it's definitely a hard conversation to have when people that you care about um, and who care about you, you know, they care about you um, are the active proponents of the destruction of your mental well-being um, and your physical health too. Um, because I was not, I, I don't enjoy food to be honest with you, uh, which makes me sad. Like I can't eat things without thinking, wow, what a fat ass. So yeah, it's tough. You mentioned the food one. That's one thing that I can definitely like relate to. Cause anytime, um, honestly for a long time now, even now, like whenever I eat, in like groups of people or social social like settings like going out to dinner with people or just getting the food my friends always think am I eating too much do they think I look a fat ass if they see me eating you know all you know seeing eating this food or from eating something that's seen as unhealthy it's like what if they make a comment because I've had people comment saying should you eat that or are you sure you want to eat that um so there's always that self-conscious bit of will, will people judge me for the food I'm eating 
what, what will they what will they think? Will they say something? Like you know, talk my my back about it? Yeah. Um, sorry, I wanted to go into this. Rachel, my heart goes out to you. I'm so sorry, baby. I, yeah, you're my heart hurts for you. I hope you know that like what you said really resonated with me. Um, and Shrey as well, even Anissa, like you guys, I, we all have very similar experiences and I love that we're able to share this in the safe space right now. Um, <clears throat> but I did want to go into like the impacts of fat phobia on mental health and eating because growing up, like Rachel said, like she wanted to throw herself in front of a car. I used to, it's so bad. Like going back and thinking about how, you know, 10 year old me was dreaming about getting in an accident. So that way I could wake up and miraculously like be skinny or that things would happen to me. So that way I would look desirable. And, you know, it's, it's wild. That's what I was thinking at that young of an age that I wanted to go and put myself in a situation in which I would severely hurt myself because that was better than being fat. And like, those aren't thoughts that I ever shared with like anyone, you know, like my mother, oh my goodness, I would die if I had ever told her that. And I think she would die if I had told her that. But it's like the implications of growing up fat and seeing how you're not desirable, seeing how, you know, like other people are treating you differently and how, you know, maybe if I just, if this just happened, it'd be better. And that's crazy. And then looking at how that affects the way that we eat, you know, like I have disgustingly bad social anxiety, especially with eating in front of people. That's why I don't go and eat food in cafeterias or in places surrounding big people. Like I can't do that anymore. I I have become so self-conscious because of the sayings that family members, um, friends, extended people have said to me whenever I pick up a plate of food um and that has like impacted the way that I can just function in front of people now like I go to social functions like parties and I'm consciously thinking of oh I can't take too much of a spoonful of this I can't grab too much of this because then people are going to be like oh look at the fat girl going and getting more food oh she's getting more yeah makes sense look at her you know and it's it's horrible that I think that way and I don't think the family members that have said things to me understand the implications of that. Like I still like, I will go to parties with my family members and I will have uncles coming up to me being like, Oh, that's a lot of food on your plate. Vaso comer todo? Are you going to eat all of that? Dang. You need to slow down. Maybe sh like take half of that off and like give it to me. But then their sons will walk by with plates towered with food bigger than mine. They'll have freaking 20 tacos on one plate meanwhile I have four and they're commenting on my weight and my food choices meanwhile they have relatives that are doing worse than I am but it's different because I'm fat and they're not and so having those implications and thinking like well if I have a close family member that's going to comment about me like that someone that I've grown up with that I have grown to trust and that has been there and they're talking about me like that what about everyone else that doesn't know me everyone else that has no connection to me, how are they going to look at me if I grab this much food? Are they also going to be thinking the same thing? Are they also going to be judging me? You know, why are they treating me like this when they're the ones who should be supporting me? And it's, yeah. Thank you so much for everybody being willing to share this. 
information because these are the conversations that people don't pay attention to that they don't accept that they don't want to acknowledge because who cares about the fat person that it's just so ingrained and it's so heartbreaking to hear these things as kids who are just existing and because it's been brought up and it's something that if you're comfortable sharing and want to have out there um, I'm going to include the stuff that like the real part of it I for instance I self-harmed from ages nine to 18 for nine years I hid that I was hacking at my legs and creating all these scars on my body and hiding them to no one's realization because of how I looked because I was openly told of my she's not gonna listen to this my godmother her nickname for me when I was a kid was Faya because of how I looked and it's just it's the people that are closest to you that are gonna do the most harm to you and it sucks because I've also been at family parties where I'm like I have to be aware of how much I'm grabbing how much I'm doing and it used to be funny for my brothers and sisters that who didn't realize what they were doing at the time uh when we were like young kids where they would like take all their like they were getting like chicken wings and stuff and then throwing all the bones on my plate and then having like my grandparents walk around and be like Anissa why are you eating so much when I had like one and I'm like y'all please stop doing this because I'm gonna get judged later I'm going to something is going to happen and I like would get in trouble (laughs) for eating which is so like I have to eat to nourish my body I have to understand why I am the way that I am and like be comfortable in that but I wasn't allowed to at home so when I got to undergrad once again going to the conversation of being in situations I shouldn't have been in it all those voices all those people telling me how ugly I was how gross I was how I should do this I should do that I should be more active I should be eating like this which is usually in that's a whole other thing with the conversation of doctors uh recommending food it's usually very European centric it's like have some boiled chicken and some broccoli. Well, listen, I am not, <laughs> I think we are all here identify as people of color as well. We have so much better foods. Like I'm not going to eat boiled chicken and broccoli and just hate my life. And like, and if that's your preferred diet, that's fine as well. And, but it's, it's just the fact that it's so Eurocentrically centered and it's so Eurocentrically centered centered in medicine and in our appearances because it was brought up earlier like even on this campus everyone looks like a model because they're blonde thin and whatever else but I I have done a lot of personal growth from that kid who was nine years old hacking at her legs to me as a 25 year old woman and if you see all the artwork that's behind me that's actually a picture of above my bed because I didn't want to sit on my bed while I was recording this but it took me so long for me to just feel comfortable in my body and now I try to cherish it in different ways so these are all self-portraits uh this one in the corner if you see them uh is my latest one because I just recently had a surgery that was an emergency surgery to have my uh, one of my ovaries removed and now I have new scars on my body which even at 25 and someone who has done a lot of growth and like loving myself for who I am and loving my body naked and like getting comfortable in that sort of setting all of a sudden I had something new that I was looking at and I was like 
and while I was sitting in that hospital I was waiting for someone to be like okay so this the reason that you have to have your ovary removed is because you're too fat or this or you should be exercising you should be doing this at 25 that's that stuff that was haunting me at nine years old when I first had valley fever and was hospitalized was still haunting me to this day even with all the growth that I've made for myself I was waiting for someone to say like well if you just change your diet if you do this and even when uh having surgery I was so scared of somebody touching my body in having surgery because I was going to have to be naked on the table for them to have surgery and I was just like they're going to be commenting about it they're going to say this they're going to be like she has so many roles here she's she has darker skin here from hyperpigmentation she has this that like the other and I was like putting on a show for everybody that was there but I was fucking mortified at like how somebody was going to view me and take me back to all that trauma from when I was a kid because it still exists no matter how much work you do there's still that mental health aspect of just feeling so insignificant and so minimized for looking a certain way for appearing a certain way and it permeates us now and it permeates us in media in on college campuses and everywhere that we see because our society is so anti-fat I'd also like to talk about the fact that they really like to put blame on fat people. Like, I can, I can be working out, I can be eating healthy, and I will still not lose as much weight as a thinner person would. But it's still my fault because I'm not trying hard enough. I'm not doing enough in order to lose weight. And it's just hurtful because I I will go out and work out. Like, I used to, in high school, I was at practice every day for, like, four hours after school. Like, I was running, I was dancing, I was doing things that kept me active, and it still wasn't enough. Oh, you need to eat less. Okay, so then I eat less. I'm still not losing enough weight. Oh, so then maybe you need to change what you're eating. Well, I can't exactly change what my family's cooking at home. Oh, well, then maybe you should do this. And so it's just like a whole bunch of like barriers that they put up all the time, just one after the other. Well, that's not working. Try this instead. Try this instead. Try this instead. And it's still not working, but they're still not, not happy with me either. But it's just, it's it's crazy. It's crazy the fact that they get mad at us for our bodies not working at the same way that their bodies do. And so even taking like workout advice, oh, well, I just go to the gym for like five minutes and I do this and that helps. Well, what if I have knee problems? What if I have issues with social anxiety and working out in front of other people? What if I don't like doing all of these other things because my body's not able to do the th same things that your body is able to do? And so it's just, it's crazy the way that they feel like, or that they blame fat people for being lazy or you're eating too much, you're not doing enough. But as compared to anyone else, I'm eating the same and or doing the same amount of activity as they are. My body's just not losing it like they used to. Yeah, it's really crazy, too, because I don't think people realize how disordered eating, how prevalent it is. Um, and I really appreciate you both, like, referencing um, eating habits. That's uh, really difficult. All of us have retrospective eating habits as well. Thank you, Trey, for mentioning yours as well. But um, it's interesting because the only time I lost weight at this school um, was when I was essentially starving myself like I was eating 
one Lunchables for lunch and then one like burrito for dinner. And that was all I'd eat the entire day. And I was losing weight that way, but that took several weeks. And then after that, I never stopped. I stopped losing weight and I never even got that low. Like I got down to 260 and I was like, wow, that's crazy. And then it stopped. And I was like, oh, I just have to starve myself more. And, it, and nothing changed. So like I kept starving myself. I kept like making it so that I wouldn't eat. I'm trying to get by with just like drinks and food and like um, like ice cream. I used to eat a lot of ice cream. Um, like I'd eat one thing of ice cream and that'd be it for the day. Like that would be all I ate because that was filling and it wasn't like too heavy. So it was just one of those things where it's like, yeah, that was the only time I was losing weight. And so even now, like binge eating, for example, that was a very big thing I did in high school. I never ate during the day. I only ate when I got home, um, which is hard when you're in sports because you should not be doing it. In fact, I was always on the verge of throwing up or passing out because I wasn't eating. Um, and for those of you, those people who are listening, who are like thinking like, oh, well, if you're not eating, of course, you're not going to lose weight. When I was eating, I wasn't losing weight. When I was eating good, I wasn't losing weight. When I ingest anything, I don't lose weight. When I don't ingest anything, I'm not losing weight. So I don't, I think people feel like they know more about losing weight than I do, being who I am. And there's a very different experience when it comes to like, for example, we all grew up fat, but we all grew up fat. I know people who were skinny when they were younger and then got fatter as they got older. And then they lost that weight again. And they're like, yeah, this is just what you have to do. And I'm like, that is awesome for you. You know what? Good for you. You feel healthy. You feel happy. You feel fit. I'm so happy for you that you're able to do the things that you want to do in life. That has never been my experience. Doing the things that you were telling me I should do does not work for me. And just because I am not the physical representation of health and fitness doesn't mean you understand what it is I am and I'm not doing with my life. So like the prevalence of like disordered eating, for example, is such a pain in the ass because like Kiara said, people tell you, get that off your plate. Like you don't need it. Or like Anissa said, like putting people putting things on your plate because like, of course you'd want, you want more, you're eating more than other people. It just further contributes to the level of disordered eating that I personally experience where like, I won't eat anything during the day, like in any capacity, my lunch, my food intake doesn't start until like well into the afternoon like this is the first thing i've eaten today it's a pirate meat package so that's only because i was like i should probably eat anything in this room um so it's just one of those things where it's like people aren't entitled to comment on you and your health and your fitness if they don't know you and even if they do know you knowing what you're going through they should know better than to comment and be like oh you're not doing enough or oh you're lazy or, or you're blah 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 that's always the most hurtful is when it comes from people you love telling you that you're not doing enough because it's almost as though like they are blind to what you are doing because of the way you look but yeah and there are like those people who are like like who were fat and then like lost weight and those are like the success stories and I'm like I always aspire to be like that and Kiara, I so related when you said, like, what if I just died and woke up in a skinny person's body? That would be easier. It's because the amount of work it fucking takes for us to get anywhere near that level. If you've always been fat, the amount of work it takes to get too skinny supersedes 
any level anybody can ever imagine. And I am so happy for people who are able to do it. But I am not at the mental, I don't have the mental capacity, the mental, um, the mental health, the physical health to be able to hold that, that weight of that work, because it's, it's, it's far supersedes what anyone thinks I am capable of, what I even think I'm capable of. So I don't know. I just, I don't think that people should have a say in how I feel comfortable because at the end of the day, when I am fat and when I'm eating the things that I enjoy, not overeating, not eating unhealthy, just eating things that taste good, make me feel good. Like those things I enjoy and live my day-to-day life, improve my mental well-being. And if I don't improve my mental well-being, I'm not going to be here physically to lose that weight. So, Hi, everyone. This is Anissa taking a little break from our conversation to let you know on some things that are going to be happening in the near future on campus. I know that this conversation has been a lot for folks. It was a lot for us to film it. So while I'm reading these off, remember to check in with yourself, take a deep breath, get some water. I'm sure you have not been hydrating. Go ahead, take a sip of water and check out what we got going on in the coming weeks. First up, QPACA is having general meetings every Thursday from 5.35 p.m. to 6.35 p.m. in the Chappelle Lounge. If you would like to attend any of those meetings, that's when they'll be, or you can check out their Instagram at QPACA underscore SCU to find out more information about what is going to be going on at certain meetings. We hope to see you there. Next up, we are finally going to be doing splatter art. Due to some conflicting weather, things that had happened last quarter, QueerCraft Corner had to move the event, and now we are going to be doing Splatter Art on Friday, April 14th from 2 to 4 p.m. at the OML House. That is at 832 Market Street across the street from Swig. Once again, we hope to see you there. Come get some free pizza and throw some paint balloons. It should be a really good time. Another thing that you should look out for is that the Multicultural Center is going to be putting on Global Village again. Uh, The theme this year is the Mosaic, a tapestry of cultures. This is going to be going on Sunday, April 16th from 11.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. This is going to be at Santa Clara University at the intersection of the Alameda and Market Street. Once again, hope to see you there. In addition to events, the OML and the RSC would like to let you all know that we are hiring for new student inclusion educators for the 2023-2024 academic year. If you are at all interested in working for our office, Please follow the link in the description down below and in your application. And last but certainly not least, do you have any clothing or accessories that you would like to donate? Um, and maybe going to Goodwill or something is a little bit out of your way? We'll go ahead and bring them by the OML and the RC. You can come and do- donate clothes on Fridays at the OML house from 2 to 4.30 p.m. That's when I will be there taking an inventory. Or you can come in on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at the RRC from 11.30 p.m. to 5 p.m. I would love to see all your friendly faces coming in and putting in some donated items. This is for an event that something that I hope that y'all will be excited about when I finally announce it. Anyway, that has been our ad break. Let's go ahead and get back into the conversation. And I want to pop in because I'm here with y'all today again. Thanks everyone for sharing. And Anissa, the artwork is amazing. Um, and I love the inspiration too for it, but 
uh, before I lose my train of thought is when I know Rachel mentioning things, Kiara was also mentioning about, you know, people close to you saying things. It's like, um, when people, any, when anybody would say anything, especially when people close would say things, it's like, you know, when you mention, oh, do more exercise or, oh, eat this, read that, or eat more, eat less. It's like, we've been through this. We've been through the checklist. We've tried this. If it worked, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. You wouldn't be saying these things. It's like the app, like we haven't tried. And it's like, we have been trying. We've been putting in so much effort into trying to lose weight, to have a more ideal body. It's like, we have been putting a lot of effort, you know, it's, we've, we've been trying. It's, we, if we've, if not just been sitting around and not do, been doing anything, um, we've been putting a lot of effort. And another thing too, is when, um, I think all of y'all mentioned how people close to you would say things or do things, um, about people close to you would, would um, uh, would say these harmful things. Again, I've had similar stories. And for me, my biggest thing is when people like my parents or like my close friends would say things, but, oh, you know, like, oh, you, you should like exercise more, um, maybe eat less, eat more of these healthier foods. It's like, um, or what's going to say, like, tease me and reality things that were really harmful or point out my weight in, um, in public or an outfit saying, oh, that really doesn't look good on you. Or, oh, you just look, you look so big in this outfit. When people would say things like that, it's like people close to me were saying those things. It's like, um, you know, it's very harmful. It's also one thing I've had to try, I've tried to communicate, but the message doesn't go through is that just because you're close to me, does not mean you can say these things. It doesn't mean you can say these things that are honestly rude. Like, would you say those kinds of things to anyone else you knew? Probably not. So why why do you think it's all right to say it just because you're close to me? And I understand that you're trying to come in some cases from like a point point of view or point of concern or oh for your well being. But it's like you also have to realize sometimes your mess sometimes the messaging from people like my parents or a close friend was just rude it's like you still you, you shouldn't have said that in the first place it's like you were you were you it would have been rude to say this to a stranger and it's still rude to say it to to someone that's really close to you thank you so much Trey, for adding that and something that i was just reminded of while hearing you speak and hearing everything else and something i was going to talk about earlier um is with me doing a lot of progress to try to be comfortable with my body because at this point it's not changing I have done everything that I can I have starved myself I have exercised day in and day out I have uh like in high school I used to get up for uh at 4 a.m to go to water polo practice at 5 a.m do eight hours of school and then immediately also have practice afterwards at this for the same rate going home at like 7 p.m eating something random or like if my mom had cooked that day like grabbing something or whatever was available to be on my plate and then immediately doing homework and then not sleeping because I have horrible insomnia and then getting up and doing the same thing over and over again no matter what I did it wasn't going to change so I through a lot of uh talking with either therapists or friends or other people who uh are fat and just like and watching people like in this, I remember telling my therapist at one point how in love I was with Lizzo because that was the first time in my life where I saw someone be openly and like just beautiful with who they are inside and out and be comfortable in it. And I was like, I'm 24 years old. I'm an adult. I'm not. And they're like, and they stopped and go, why is that insignificant to you? You have somebody now. And I'm glad that little kids can look up and like see someone who is comfortable in their body and 
and just exist as they are but it was something that I grew up without and so I recognized that that like sort of thing is important and something about me <laughs> which is not a great characteristic but I will live to be petty sometimes and by that I mean there was a specific example I lived with a girl in uh uh in undergrad who uh had horrible internalized fat phobia uh her siblings everybody like around her was fat and she was thin she had like and but she would constantly talk about how she was getting fat how she was doing this she was doing that she would just talk constantly degrade herself in a way that was degrading for me to witness her doing it because that was so negative and I remember one day we're sitting in our apartment sitting on the couch watching tv with her and uh I am wearing a crop top and jeans and she randomly just goes I hate when fat bitches wear crop tops and I just look over and I go what she was like yeah I just they never look good I don't know why people do that you shouldn't be wearing that if you're fat and I'm like she wasn't looking at me but but I was like you realize I'm right here wearing a crop top and me being someone who is like currently working at their self at the time and also still forever working on myself I was like okay let's see I'm gonna wear a crop top for a, in a year and a half every single day no matter what the weather is just and then just exist and be be able to be comfortable with myself that was actually the same night that I painted this painting here which if you're not in video or you're listening auditorially uh it is a canvas with like a sky background and it's my body without a head because I'm just bad at painting faces <laughs> and uh just like showing my body in a nude portrait because I was just like, this is what beauty is. This is, I see beauty in myself and then telling myself that repeatedly. But then I took it a step forward and everything. And I was like, I'm going to stop dressing for somebody who should be covering up themselves uh, because I was told forever. And anytime that some someone got me clothes, it was like basically they wanted to put me in a smock to cover up all the rolls and things. And now I, I don't always do it because sometimes I get in depressive moods and I'm just not interested in getting dressed and things like that, which is derivative from trauma and all kinds of different stuff, and including internalized fat phobia. But I dress my body how I wish and not for the comfort of somebody else. I think, and I would never say this, like even like two years ago, I think I am incredibly beautiful. I find myself very attractive. I look in the mirror and I'm like, damn, I look good. I say in like the form of exercise that I do the most now other than swimming is dancing in my mirror <laughs> because that's where I feel I throw on Lizzo or whatever other artist is just last night, for instance, after I finished my class and I'm done with everything, I turned on gasolina <laughs> and just started fucking twerking in, in my apartment with music in. So then no one knew what was happening. I was just dancing alone in my apartment with my cat. But like, it's just that sense of, I feel comfortable in myself. I feel good about myself in this moment. And I got to cherish that moment that I have because me at 15 and me at 25, 15 year old wanted to kill herself, wanted to die. 25 year old me still is struggling with mental health, but now I feel a lot better and a lot more whole in the person that I am and a lot more comfortable with how I view myself, not worrying about how other people view me. But 
progress is never linear and I still have really bad days and like the hospital incident where I still feel very, very low, but I'm always working to get better and to feel more comfortable in myself. I really love that. Thank you, Anissa, for sharing. That's so important, especially the growth that you have like um, mentally about yourself and like self-awareness and self-confidence. Um, That's really important. And I've kind of gotten a lot closer to that recently. I do think that like I still wear this mask around my neck just because it hides the rolls and it makes me feel better. Uh, I know that that's a matter of insecurity. I'm still working on it, but 90% of the time I just wear it anyway. Um, but I do think um, you mentioned something earlier that I thought was really important, like the love that we are deserving of, um, despite because we are fat, um, like being able to like just receive and accept anything that and everything that people throw at us simply because like we are undeserving of other forms of love. Um, when I was in high school, um, I didn't recognize it at the time. Um, but I recognized it after talking about it with somebody, but I was kind of frequently harassed. Um, and I think that was because I was conventionally unattractive um, compared to other students at my school. In fact, I think I was like one of like a few, like two or three other fat people at the school, um, or at the very least identified fat people. Like they said that they were identified as fat. Um, but one of the things that I realized was that um, I would constantly be told like, oh, Rachel, you're beautiful. Um, or, oh, um, you, uh, we should go out, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Rachel, I have a crush on you, like that kind of thing. And it was the perspective that I'm a joke. And like the idea of liking me is a joke. That's funny, that's crazy. To compliment me would be, is like ridiculous. That's so humorous. Um, at one point or another, I remember like I would, I, I was in the van with another person from a different class um, and they repeated one of the things that they said frequently, which is just to say my name and then laugh. Um, and so like they said that they're like, yeah, we hear that in our class too. And I'm like, what the fuck? It was a, it was a sobering realization that I will never be seen as anything more than a joke in a society that doesn't accept my presence. Um, and I'm like, you know what, that that really sucks. And I didn't realize how much that had actively affected me until I got out of high school into college where somebody asked me like how I would even react if somebody confessed me. And I said, I'd probably ask them if they were joking or I'd probably just ignore them and walk away. And they were like, that's really fucked up of you to do. And I was like, well, I don't see a reality where that ever happens. And I don't see, I've always, it's always been a joke. So I can't envision myself ever being in a relationship with somebody that isn't instigated by my, my, myself um, for that very reason. Cause I'd always have that self-conscious idea that like, oh, this was done on a dare or, oh, this was done as a joke. Um, that I had somebody ask me for my number and it was part of the scavenger hunt. And I was like, okay, I don't, I really don't like this. And it's just, it's shit like that where I'm only ever seen as a potential interest um, in a fake reality in a humorous, funny way. 
So I don't really like that. It's not fun. I don't think people should do it. And I think that's a very clear example of fat phobia when the only time you comment on um, somebody's attractiveness is as a joke. Um, but yeah. I, and I just want to say too, like when, when people do that, it's like, for y'all, that was just, oh, a little harmless joke or, oh, random like Thursday in like sophomore year of high school. For us, that's something we're going to carry as baggage for years, for who knows how long. And it's like, this is something that, that, that we're going to internalize. This is something we're going to work through for, for years. And again, it's like, I remember when, when, some, when people did the same thing like that in like middle school, high school. It's like, I still remember when they would do things like that. Like, how many years has it been? I don't know. A long time since that. It's like, we still remember the things that you were saying, the things that you know, you're saying behind her backs, what you thought was just a joke. That was not a joke for us. That really um, added to our emotional baggage and things we have to work through just because you wanted to make a little joke for yourself. Yeah, and I wanted to go into, like, validation and how that affects, like, especially growing up. Um, at least for me, like, growing up as a BIPOC, like, fat woman, wanting that validation from men and from other people to know that I'm attractive, to know that I look good, to know that I I can still be worthy of love, but I'm not getting that for myself. So maybe someone else will give that to me. And like the way that, like like Rachel said, like growing up, I had boys coming up to me being like, oh, do you want to go out? Please say no, please say no, please say no. My friends dared me to, you know? And it's like, Growing up like that and seeing how I was treating treated as compared to my friends who are skinnier, who are conventionally attractive, who are getting asked out on dates, who are finding boyfriends really easily in high school or, you know, getting crushes and doing all these little things. Meanwhile, I have maintained this like status of like single throughout my life as a result of like my indesirability. Yeah, like the just need to put yourself out there more. Such bullshit because I put myself out there. I put myself out there, but it's the reactions that I get from other people compared to like conventionally attractive peoples. Like people would rather have someone else over me because they're not gonna get judged by being with the fat girl if they go with the other person. And I've had experiences where I have, I have been talking to people. I have been like, getting into those serious conversations and then them backing off deliberately saying like oh like my friends will judge me if I go out with you because you're fat and I don't want to I don't want them to make fun of me oh like I don't want to get close to you because you know making up excuses because they don't want to be seen in public with me like I'm okay I'm okay for nighttime hand holding for going out for doing little things but not for a serious committed relationship not for the public eye not to be taken out and shown that I'm worthy of love and so it's such bullshit. It's such bullshit. And realizing like the reason why I'm not like receiving this sort of love is because people are ashamed of me. And so me having to rethink, relearn and be like, I'm not shameful. I'm a person deserving of love. I don't need to be, I don't need to be looking like this in order to have someone love me. And if other people who look like me, who are fat can receive that love and adoration, I deserve it too. And so it's so hard, especially trying to find that sort of validation for yourself, because it chips away at you, knowing that other people are looking at you in a way that 
you're trying to steer yourself away from. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And to elaborate on that point, and then something that I kind of brought up earlier in the validation aspect of like not feeling good enough or not being enough in middle school, high school, like in including elementary school, it I also received the oh, just tell us you like her because it's funny. Go tell her because like it's it's funny to make the the fat girl like you, and just going from that to such like you're ugly, you're ugly, you're ugly, you're this, you're lesser than, you're you're not important, and then coming into college, where, and this was the first time that I was like, oh, dating apps, those exist. I'm gonna get on Tinder. And then saying yes to literally anybody that wants, that perceived me as attractive. Even if I was visibly uncomfortable, I would say yes to to sex with people. I would be coerced because I was like, well, nobody else is going to find me attractive. Nobody else is going to do this. So I better do it now. Otherwise, I'm nobody's ever going to have any sort of feelings for me like that at all. And that's like sort of the thing where, uh, Carrie, you were talking about like, I can do nighttime handholding. I can do this, but I can't have a relationship with you. In my experience, in in a lot of people's experiences, uh, who are like sexually active and things like that, people will fuck the fat person, but no one will date the fat person. Especially, and this was uh, at this time. It was before I had come out. It was before I came into my own identity as pansexual. So. And just such internalized hatred of internalized homophobia, internal, internalized racism. I specifically dated Republican white men because either I wanted to change them or I just hated that myself that much to where I was like, this is all I deserve. I deserve to be ridiculed and hated for being gay, for being mixed, for being whatever. So then I suffered through white men being like, oh, my spicy Latino girlfriend or like not girlfriend, like my situation ship or whatever, because I was never referred to as the girlfriend. I was just the person that they would hook up with in the middle of the night or be like texting in the middle of the night and then being told how how much they did not want to physically be with me. They did not want people to be seen with me. They did not want to go on a date. They just wanted to hook up. And in my mind at the time, I was just like, and maybe that's enough because it's some sort of validation. It's some it's someone telling me that even if they don't want to date me, I'm attractive in some sort of way. I can be, and then I would romanticize relationships <laughs> thinking that, oh, this he was the most romantic person ever. No, he sucked. He was racist. He was homophobic. He sucked. And now like coming out of that realization and now having been out for, I came out during the pandemic. So it was an entire year of working on myself and like just being with myself before I started like branching out to start date again. And uh, I still am getting that sort of things where I have officially, though I'm panned and like anybody is game at this point, I specifically do not put men on any of my, like on Hinge, on Tinder and things like that. I actually just stopped using Tinder altogether. Uh. But on those things, I no longer include men because of the trauma that I have and also because that was always being shown. And now I'm finding that even when I put non-binary or uh, female-identified individuals, 
I'm still worrying about if they if they want to date me or if they find me attractive because I'm fat or things like that. It still permeates me in so many different ways because just fatness, even in a queer identity, is seen as lesser than. And it's ridiculous. Like, And so then you go into like, there's a lot of different ways that I can go about this. But it comes to mind like uh, for men or uh, people that use grinder. Uh, being worried about how they appear because they're not going to be seen as attracted enough or people who are going through transition who uh, are gaining weight in places because of uh, taking estrogen or, uh, or something else gaining weight and not looking like the ideal body that they want and still suffering through the uh, body dysmorphia and that gender dysphoria because it's not growing in the right places or things like that so just like those there's so many examples of where uh, fatness intersects with other identities and it changes your perception and how you view yourself and how you think other people view you I don't know if I put that in the best way but it's just it's something that's coming to mind as we continue to have these conversations yeah I wanted to speak on what you were saying about not feeling validated in your own queer identity especially with being fat and something that I realized like I realized that I was non-binary over the over quarantine I knew I was queer before then but I I like to talk about this a lot but I feel that my identity especially with being non-binary has resulted from this invalidation of femininity as a result of my fat phobia that people have always been commenting on my weight telling me I need to lose weight you're not skinny enough you're not pretty enough you don't look like a woman enough you know like Yes, I look like a, a woman, but I'm not the stereotypical, small, like skinny, quiet, subservient, whatever. Like I'm the opposite, but still feeling invalidated because I'm not fitting into that role. And so I tried to hyperfeminize myself, especially in high school, makeup, over girly clothes, trying to make myself look desirable to everyone else and prove that I was feminine that I I can look like a woman I do look like like I am female and realizing that why did I feel the need to come off this way because I have received so many comments about my body telling me like oh you're too tall or you're too fat oh you don't look like this maybe if you lost a couple pounds you'd be prettier and then seeing how that affected my gender identity, because I never felt validated within my femininity that I have started identifying as non-binary, because I realized that I'm more comfortable being like neither gender that like, I I can't even, yeah, like, sorry, I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say, but <laughs> But it's just basically like that invalidation that I've had growing up with people commenting, making comments and just saying things that has affected the way that I now view myself. And not that I'm blaming them for making me non-binary. I feel like I would have gotten there anyhow. But seeing the way that my weight has severely impacted the way that I feel connected to femininity um, because being fat or being tall or things are seen as more masculine traits. And so how that pushed me into this like non-binary role so yeah and also again everyone thanks for you know sharing all these things and we'll talk about you know the fat phobia and queer identities as a gay man as one of the identifies as a gay man um 
one big one among victim in gay culture is definitely fat phobia because um it's definitely emphasized that like you know oh get, you know as a roomy gay man you have to be you know muscular you have to be slim you can't be the you know the fat ones always seen as undesirable or oh you're not gonna get in a relationship or oh like you know gay bars and gay clubs these areas where you know these areas that are like big parts of the community you shouldn't really go there you really don't like belong there there's always a message that's um that's always that's put out and even now in the representation we're seeing um among gay relationships it's always a muscular um muscular gay man or slim ones it's never um anyone who is you know who's fat or identifies as fat it's like it's always muscular so that's the message that's pushed out um that's pushed out everywhere even on dating apps like um on like a lot on the gay dating apps it's like on grinder it's like you know what's pushed is oh you should be slim should be muscular or otherwise why are you even on here like no one's gonna want to get with you like that's the message that is constantly pushed it's like so now that i finally i finally accepted part of myself and i want to you know work on that but now i can't because the community that's supposed to be accepting or the community that's supposed to be inclusive of me inclusive of me is is not it's um they, they're like oh yeah you're gay but you're not muscular, you're not slim. Do we really want you on our spaces? Do we really want to be associated with you? Again, if, you know, getting into a relationship, it's like, do I want to make this a serious one or is it going to be a situationship? Is this going to be, you know, something that's not serious because, oh, you don't fit um, what what I want or, oh, what people think I should have, you know? Like, oh, they want someone who's, um, you know, other people, when they will think of, like, being with me, they'll probably think, oh, I want someone who's slimmer, I want someone who's more muscular. That's a very pervasive thought. Um, and with then also going to a whole topic about um um about like uh body dysmorphia and all of that in the gay community and just among myself, but it's like there's a lot to unpack when it comes to um if you're fat in the gay community, especially when it's we want people who are slim, we want people who are muscular, not anything else. Yeah, and on that on that note, I have um, uh, an interest in muscular people personally, um, just because I think they are very attractive, um, but not because they're muscular, but because I like when people's personalities shine through and they're still strong. But you don't have to be muscular to do that, which is why I'm like, get this through people's heads. You don't have to be like, I don't know, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer was really the wrong the wrong person that I was thinking of. What's the person? Johnny Cash? Yeah, Johnny Bravo? You don't have to be uber muscular to be, like, strong uh, or anything like that. And even then, like, you don't have to be muscular to be attractive. And it's just, it's hard for people to understand that perspective. And in the queer community specifically, like, I personally identify as asexual. And being fat, that is a hard thing to try to come across. Because what ended up happening was I got a lot of commentary about is it are you are you actually asexual or is it just that because you have low self-confidence? And I'm like, this is a good question because I do have low self-confidence. So you're right on that track. But also, no, like I just don't want to I don't want to fuck anybody because I realized also on dating apps that people love people are horny motherfuckers like people want to. They'll fuck a wall if they can. Um, in fact, they have. I've seen the transcripts. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm like, I don't want to fuck anybody. The second I put asexual in my profile, I was no longer even an option for anybody. Because um, 
as like a fat person, like like you all said previously, I'm fuckable but not dateable. And I'm like, okay, so once the like once the sex exits the conversation, it's like, okay, there is no conversation. And I'm like, oh, interesting, good to know. And so I got off dating apps pretty quick because I was like, oh, this is not gonna work. Um, but yeah, even being like interested in women, it's kind of it's kind of weird because I am not mask. And I think that's the expectation for a lot of fat people is that they're going to be masked. And I cannot see myself as being masked. I'm angry frequently. Um, Actually, no, I rarely get angry. Um, um, But I can't ever position myself in a way that's like serious. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like that's kind of the the stereotype about mask presenting individuals. and I tend to enjoy more feminine dress, etc. Um, but yeah, so I kind of have to deal with like that constant reckoning of am I just self-conscious or am I my own identity? Um, people, I got accused of being bi, uh, well, I am bi-romantic, but I got accused of being bi simply because I needed to expand my options. And I was like, what does that mean? And I was like, oh, God. Um, They're like, yeah, essentially implying that, like, yeah, men won't date you, so you want to see if women will. And I'm like, first of all, not just women. Because there's a lot of people, a lot of genders that I'm like, ooh, you are very attractive. Um, But second of all, um, what made you think that you had any, What? where did you find the audacity? Like, are you? Fascinating stuff. But yeah. No, yeah, and I also when I was coming out as pan and then also explaining what pan was to a lot of people and a lot of family members specifically, I remember one person being like, oh, is it because you're insecure that you're just like opening the pool to anybody? Because also none of my family has ever seen me in a relationship. One, because I've never been in one. And even the ones that I was, I hated him. I just didn't want to be with him but that was just like in my own mental state being like this is what I deserve this is all I deserve and so I'm like I'm not going to introduce you to people that I don't like and yes I'm dating them but like that's a whole other story but yeah that just existence of like um being someone who is attracted to multiple genders whether it's uh sexually or romantically you're just assumed that because you're you're in a fat body that it's because you're fat you're like oh you're just so deeply insecure that you need to expand your options like no I'm just gay it's just another aspect of who I am as well as like anything else um but yeah so I really really resonated with that Rachel and now I am noticing just how much time we've been spending talking about this which we can talk about this forever and if y'all are comfortable we can come back maybe do a part two or maybe uh talk about how we can have this conversation in other places um but before we go i want to just ask if anybody has anything else they would like to share before we begin to wrap up because we like i said we can talk about this forever but if there's any last things that anyone wants to bring in before we start to close um yeah that health is not visible on the physical form like that's just like you can be physically fit that doesn't necessarily mean you're healthy um so just keep that in mind like this is for all the listeners but like 
the way you look is not emblematic of what it is that you are doing to keep yourself healthy and whether that be physically or emotionally or mentally so um well i can't say don't worry about the way you look because people will judge um it nonetheless does not look it does not mean that you are not healthy and not doing what you can and need to do for your body no definitely it's a very big point and again I feel like my doctors, my doctor needs to hear this, absolutely to hear this, is just because you are overweight or fat doesn't mean you are near, you are extremely unhealthy, doesn't mean you're going to die because of heart disease the next day. Just like you, you, like just because you were fat doesn't mean you're unhealthy. That's a big thing that a lot of people need to hear. Like you can be, you know, overweight and fat and still be overall be very healthy, not have any health issues. Um, Like, you know, blood tests will come up fine. It'll say you're fine. You know, like that's something that, a lot of people need to hear, especially doctors. <laughs> yeah, and I just want to like, for the listeners out there, I'm sure if you're listening, then it's probably because you resonate with this. Um, and if you're listening to this purely out of curiosity, if you have no connection to this at all, um, to take away from this, that this is not like, we were not complaining the entire time. This is not just for us to like bitch about things that were going on and it was solely just to spread information that we have experienced and that other fat people will also experience in their daily lives and to open your eyes about what's what goes on in this world because it's really easy not to acknowledge what other people are experiencing and to ignore how fat people are living because we do not make up a majority of the world you know like and it's like things do not cater to us especially in this world and so like it's really easy to forget how we can feel in these instances but just to remember that like we are humans too like we are here because this has significantly affected us for all of our lives and we want to make sure that other people are understanding this and that we're drawing attention to this because this treatment is not okay um but yeah All right. Thank you all so much for being a part of this conversation and for wrapping it with a like call to action for like what people can do to one, listen to this conversation because it was a good one and it was full of personal experiences. Yes, but that doesn't invalidate the reality of the situation and how we exist on a day to day. So open your mind, get informed, get educated. Um, and if you are uh, someone who is does identify as a fat person and are listening uh part of what i'm going to be doing below because i i briefly talked about media and talked about um i don't think i actually got into clothing i don't think we got into this this time maybe we'll have another episode or maybe we'll do something else with this uh this topic because it needs to be talked about more um but i'm going to be leaving links to uh plus size friendly clothing stores uh they're all based online Um, majority of them are thrift or resale things so that you can find more information I was trying so hard to find things that are in the bay area but guess what can't or at least not yet and so if I do I will also link those but I did make sure that all of them that are available have a uh, online presence as well as a, a brick and mortar place that you can shop depending on where you're from and where in the area you can Um, But yeah, once again, thank you everybody for being a part of this conversation and for being so vulnerable. I really, really deeply value the vulnerability that was shared today and how safe of a space this this podcast continues to be for people. Um, 
Thank you all so much for listening. Oh, wait, before we do that, <laughs> is, does anybody have anything that they would like to promote? I know this is this episode is not going to be coming out till spring, and we're recording it during finals week of winter. Um, but is there anything that, uh, any resources, uh, places for people to go, maybe clubs or things like that, anything that y'all want to promote? Kipaka, come to the Queer People of Color Association. We have meetings every Thursday, 535 to 635. It is a very safe space. Um, highly recommend going. Um, I will not be there next quarter because uh, I will be abroad, but I nonetheless hope that uh, people find a welcoming space um, and just people to have fun with. Um, it is a really nice place to go to for those who understand the, in the difficulties of the intersections of being a queer person of color. So highly recommend, um, and yeah. Um, I just, um, I think there is a body positivity, like, group on campus with CAPS, um, if you find yourself struggling with mental health, um, especially concerning your body, body dysmorphia, things like that, that is available, um, and then we used to have a body, posi body positivity club on campus, I don't know if that's still running, but I know their Instagram is up, and then just, like, looking for inspiration on social media um that's how i really help myself if you have to go to lizzo if you have to find other influencers people that look more like you um do it because it helps all right thank you both so much for sharing that and we will make sure to include links and stuff like that below for instagram pages and then if i find any more resources or any more information i will definitely link it in the uh, in the things below um, as far as the Office for Multicultural Learning or the Rainbow Resource Center, uh, all I'm going to say is just be on the lookout for certain stuff. Um, oh, also, uh, affirmations, uh, we can add that to the end of the video or also in the resources as well. So thank you, Kara, for that. Um, but yeah, look out for what we're going to be doing in spring. I have big ideas. I don't know how much I'm going to be able to do them, but I have some really big stuff planned and some really good things as well as my coworkers have a lot of things planned in the future so thank you again this has been word on the street and omlnrc podcast thanks for listening y'all bye